of Disc Lady Ada. Howdy, everyone, and welcome to another Desk of Lady Ada. It is Sunday. Fall is nipping at our heels. It was a little rainy and cloudy here in New York, so we actually stayed in and did a bunch of engineering. Woohoo! So it's time for the Desk of Lady Ada. Yeah. Um, so we can check what I'm up to. I did a whole bunch of stuff, and I got a, a lot of samples in, but I thought maybe we'd start with the samples. Let's jump right in. Okay, so... Um, a couple weeks ago, oh, let's go to the overhead. A couple weeks ago, we showed off the design for this infrared emitter um, that you can, you know, plug in a um, JST PH two pin cable into, and it would, you know, it'll, it'll turn on and be a very bright infrared emitter. And then we sourced the um, IR LEDs. Um, well, the final PCBs are now fabbed, uh, and thanks to Penguin. Let's see if I can get this to focus a little better. Okay. Thanks to Penguin. It's got a beautiful silk screen uh, with uh, Futura Heavy. Uh, you can see the uh, tune for LEDs. And then I added a spot for an optional um, five millimeter LED if you want to solder one in. Like if you were like, okay, I need a, I want a third LED because I want like full 360 degree infraredness. <coughs> um, and I also uh, did the tester today, and I was actually kind of experimenting. You know, it's like, I, it's not, I like to show when things don't work out, because, like, there's a lot of times I do stuff, and I'm like, hey, I had this brilliant idea, and then it's like, no, it turns out, not so brilliant, not so idea. Um, but, you know, we make these pogo pin testers, um, and, you know, we have to solder in these pogo pins. The, the P75s are kind of my favorite. The um, uh, crown or... Um, spear spear tip pogo pins the thing that's really annoying about these though is like you solder in each one and they like you know i i like to give a little bit of give on the hole also like when you get holes drilled in your pcb for pads like you, you know you'd say 39 mils or whatever but it's, there was a little bit of variance also sometimes they expand them or contract them and so even though the pogo pins fit fairly tightly um they do they do tilt a little bit and so like we have to spend a bit of time getting them nicely centered, which is annoying. So I was like, ah, oh, you know, maybe I could use um, these pogo pin strips that we got in the shop. Um, they come in strips of nine. And I thought, okay, I could cut them down. Maybe um, I'll show, maybe we can go to the uh, computer real fast and I'll just show it in the shop. So yeah. what I'm talking about. Pogo pins. These are the normal pogo pins. And then we had these like kind of pogo pin headers. And uh, we put these in recently, and I was like, oh, you know, maybe, like, this could be a good alternative because, you know, oftentimes I have to measure or connect to, like, a strip that is on a feather header, and it's, like, you know, 12 or 16 pins in a row, and so it's like, well, maybe these will be ready to go, like, they they come in a plastic strip already, so they're, they're pre-aligned. Uh, and they're on a 0.1-inch boundary. But then I, what I didn't realize is I forgot to think, oh, the pogo pin ends are less than, they're, they're not as, they're not wider than the holes that we use. So if you go to, uh, go back to the computer, <laughs> sorry, back to the overhead. Um, you know, I designed this, so it's like, okay, you've got these, these holes here that kind of help you align, um, but these actually go straight through the holes in the PCB, um, which, you know, if, if you hold it down, it's fine. So, you know, I've got this test, this tester here, if I plug it in, um, it does work, you know, but it's not, 
Uh, it doesn't have that nice feeling when if the pogo it pushes up against the PCB rather than going through the hole, um, it's a, yeah, kind of a better feel. So this would be good for something that didn't have any um, to, any through hole holes to test. It only had test pads, but like you know, we we tend to use a lot. Another thing is you know, as you can see, um, it's it's flickering because you know the connection isn't so good. You know, if you hold it down and you can see the IR emitting and detecting, it, it does work. Um, it's okay. You know, what I might do is when I'm like quickly putting together a tester, maybe I'll do this for like the first one, but I think it's not a, not a long-term solution. So I might try to find some pogo pins on strips that have a, like a crown head, although I, I'm not convinced I'll be able to find one. So um, this experiment, I tried it. So that's the... Uh, IR um, emitter. Uh, also put together some prototypes. So, you know, we've got these little boards that we use uh, for making a little power supply. So this is a uh, TLV62569. It's a 3.3 volt, one amp buck converter. Um, but if some people remember a couple weeks ago, we talked on the show about replacing the fan 5333 um, boost converter that I use for biasing OLEDs. Uh, sometimes I just need like a high voltage, like a 12 volt or something um, reference, not like high current, maybe like 10, 20 milliamps. Uh, so we got this um, PCB with the TPS61040, which is one of the um, options we found. I don't think you can get any closer, but uh, yeah, it's two to six volts in. You know, for this board, I just set it to be um, 12 volts output. Uh, I don't quite get 100 milliamps. So it's kind of my guess. I was like, well, you know, we'll see what I get. It turns out it's actually kind of limited. Uh, three volts, I can get 12 volts at like 40 milliamps. Five volts in, I can get 12 volts at, you know, 80 milliamps out. So, you know, good for like a LED strand or maybe like a very small, um, small device biasing audio, you know, uh, you know, if you need an, an, uh, plus 12 volts for, an op-amp rail that's not rail-to-rail, -rail. you know, you want to get a high um, reference voltage with some current. So, uh, you know, I tested on the um, uh, the load, electronic load that I've got, which I always recommend, you know, electronic loads, um, you know, before I bought them, I'm like, it's kind of ridiculous to spend like a couple hundred bucks on this thing that's just like a big resistor. But it actually is really, really nice to have a digital load when you're like, I really want to just test a power supply, you know, you've got your bench supply giving you your current in and the load, you can dial it in, you know, any milliamps and tweak the knob while you watch on your scope to see the, the power supply stability. So I got this like B&K one, the B&K Precision. It's the 150 watt, it looks like the 8540 power supply. So um, I do recommend it. And then... Um, I did another Stemma board. I thought I should show this last week, but maybe I didn't. Maybe I showed it only on the um, uh, Ask Engineer. Uh, so this, just a little prototype also, you know, similar idea behind um, the IR LED, it's, which, you know, I just dropped. Um, you know, you have a JST PHN, so you can easily connect it to, um, you know, wearables or, you know, a, micro bed or circuit playground or or you can plug it into a breadboard but it's freestanding and this is a little motor driver uh with a with a three or four amp end channel fet flyback um diode protection um led uh indicator so maybe i'll i'll quickly just uh 
plug this in to test it out, show it off. So, you have three to five volts input. So let me see, get this back it up a little bit. This is five volts and then this is ground. So this is just a common thing, you know, we're often like, somebody has a project, like I just want to like turn on a motor or a solenoid. I'm like, oh, you gotta like wire up your ULN 2803 and it's kind of a pain. So this is, you know, just makes it a little easier. Uh, you know, you see the LED tells you, this red LED tells you that it's powered and then it just, uh, it just turns on whatever it is, you know, up to three amps. So good for, um, you know, anytime you want a PWM or just control a motor solenoid, something that you just need that transistor and uh, fly back and maybe you want a couple LEDs to indicate. So for the MOSFET, is it three volt or five volt output? You can do three, it's actually up to 12 volts to be honest. It's, um, the signal can be low. The The power can actually be as, as high as I think 20. I think the, I use the uh, DMG3415, which might be a, I think VGS can be 12 volts, I think. Maybe six, twelve, six or twelve volts, and then yeah. So the control signal can be that high, and then the power I think is thirty volts or something. It's up to three amps. Very low RDS on, so uh, you know you're you're pretty much free to do whatever. Um, okay, so now to the meat of the matter. How are we doing on time? Okay, I'll I'll go very fast. So yeah. so you know I showed like this little tester, um, which which I call we call a drop and beep tester because you drop the board on and it beeps. And it takes like, you know, it's less than a second. And a lot of I2C sensors are like that. You'd be surprised. You drop a BME280, you can initialize it, do an initial reading, verify the voltages in, you know, two to three seconds. It's very, very fast. Um, and so uh, there's a little indicator, LED, and a beeper. And so people just test very quickly. Beep, 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 beep. They can go through an entire panel almost instantly. And that's, that's great. Um, when I'm doing more advanced boards, um, like let's say a... Uh, Let's see what I got here. This is, I think, a Feather. I got a Feather M4, which I don't know if I'll ever make again because I can't get these chips. But let's see, like I could. So you, to program these, um, historically I used a Raspberry Pi. So I'd have like, you know, Raspberry Pi computer here. And I would use a um, OpenOCD or JLink. And I'd program it using Linux. Uh, to run the commands to do the SWD programming of of the chip, and then I would test the USB enumeration, and that was fine. Except the issue is that you know Raspberry Pis like they're just not they're they're fine as testers, but they're just not as they're not super fast. Like there is a lot of operating system stuff that has to happen. I mean, with the Pi Four, it probably would be as bad. But when I was first doing this on the Pi One, it, there was some. It did take you know a minute or two to kind of like get OpenLCD running, and you have to launch it and send the commands and you know if it did bit banging it would be slower but if i use a j link it was like 600 bucks so what um we did um is a couple years ago tack and i um who wrote teeny usb we ported the sw i think maybe k-town did this too we ported the swd programming protocol to arduino so we could use a board running arduino to swd program a chip and uh, we got the 7021 going, the 7051, NRF52, NRF51, we did actually very recently. Um, and the RP2040 we can do with, with mass storage. But for SWD programming, basically I was making these trinket M0s. Like you, you can program an AVR chip with SPI very, very easily. 
and you don't need very complicated hardware. Some of these are a little bit weirder, but as I was starting to get into SAMD 21s, I was like, I can't have a Raspberry Pi computer for every time I program because it's very also very easy. Somebody knocks the Raspberry Pi and the USB cable comes a little loose and then now you have to reboot or it gets corrupted. I wanted a very solid state solution. Um, so we came up with this idea of using um, you know, one board running Arduino very quickly to bitbang SWD to program these boards and then connect over USB and then just make sure that the USB enumerates because if it does, it means basically you programmed everything correctly. Um, and so that is how we came up with the, the, the Teensy-based tester brains idea. Um, this is actually a, a fresh one. But basically you've got a... Um, TNC 3.6, and the reason I like the TNC 3.6 is because it has a USB host, which is important because, again, I have to USB enumerate. And it has an SD card slot, which is really nice because then the firmware I'm burning is on the SD card slot, so people can change out the SD card very easily. It's like, oh, you know, update the firmware, update the program, uh, or the test, just change the SD card. They don't have to, you know, the people running the testers don't need to know anything else. So that's all great and wonderful, and I've, you know, we've made like hundreds of these, um, but there's a problem, which is... Um, you know, there is no TNC 3.6s anymore right now. Um, and uh, it's not clear when we'll get more. And I, I kind of had a stash, a stash um, that like about a year and a half ago when this started happening, I was like, okay, like I'm going to, you know, keep 100 for us so we can continue to make boards. The problem is that we're, we're out. <laughs> and the TNC shortage isn't, isn't quite over. And I was thinking, you know, I could port the code to the TNC 4.1. It would probably be okay. I did make a couple of tweaks um, to how USB works to, to optimize for the way you do testing. But I also thought, like, this is a really good opportunity to maybe diverge because even though maybe TNC 4.1s are kind of available right now, um, I just sort of learned my lesson, like, not, not to depend on um, a dev board that I can't, I can't control because it's like, if I can't get teensies for a, a, a project, what's well, one thing, but if I can't run the Adafruit factory because I can't get a dev board, that's kind of a bad scene. So um, you got the TNC 3.6, you got the USB host, you've got a, you know, this one doesn't have the uh, power transistors. There's a couple of power transistors here to control some voltage outputs, reset button, and um, one uh, 16 by two LCD. And this is actually all through the whole put together. We just, we just hand solder these. Um, whenever we need them. And so we've got like a big collection of these teensy brains. Um, but as I mentioned, I wanted to design something different. So let's go to the computer. And this is the original. And like, again, this was worked wonderfully for years and I would still be using it if I could get these boards, but I can't. Um, so the thing that's important is, you know, I have um, a bunch of standard test pins, I squared C, VBAT power out, V measure in, ground, target reset, SWDIO, target, SWD clock, target, um, number 28, which is kind of like an analog input slash extra GPIO whenever needed. You are in a three volt uh, power line. And so um, over the weekend, I kind of designed a totally new board. And um, one of the things I asked TAC to do is there was a, a Japanese person or some person who spoke Japanese, who um, wrote PIO code for the RP2040 to do USB host. And it's not amazing USB host, but it's good enough to do like CDC and HID, it seems, and enumeration, right? Which is again, if you if, if the board enumerates, I consider the USB working. I don't need to like actually transfer data on the channels 
if it shows up and I get the right VID, PID, I'm like, great, the USB connector works, the USB pass-through resistors, the crystal, everything, you know, you have to get a lot of things working right in order to enumerate USB and, and, and identify the VID, PID correctly. So, um, the RP2040 doesn't have as good of a USB host stack as the TNC36, but, you know, if I can move 50 to 75% of my boards over to this, then I can scrounge the, the TNC36s for when I need them. So this is a, um, a cowbell. Uh, another thing is, is, as I was doing this board, I was like, you know what? I'm a little tired of us hand soldering these. What, what if I make it surface mount and then we can just do a run of 50 whenever we need a batch of boards because each product that we use as this tester brains, um, I need like three testers, like three, you know, because we often have three people testing at once or we have backups. So I thought, you know, instead of hand soldering these, which also sometimes there's a loose solder joints, let's put it through the pick and place machine. So this is um, a Raspberry Pi cowbell connector. So you, know, you put your Raspberry Pi Pico RP20 here and you know, it's just very low cost available and there's like, you know, people have made versions. So even if the original Pico isn't available, there's others. If I have to do some Wi-Fi tests, of course, um, I can use the, the Pico W. Um, it doesn't have the SD card built in. So I attached a uh, micro SD card here. There's a lot of pins, so this is not a big deal. And then um, I connected a USB type A jack to two pins and um, you tech checked it out and said, yeah, as long as like, the, D, the D plus and D minus just have to be next to each other, um, you can use any pins. And then down here, um, I've got the LCD. So this is the large LCD. On the original, um, and I use a, a surface mount connector for that. On the original tester, we have so many pins, and again, the SD card is built in, um, that I didn't have to like try to do some pin saving tricks. But on this board, um, the RGB backlight actually didn't have enough pins for it. And so I actually put on put down a WS2811 NeoPixel chip, which we stock, just the SOIC version, so I can NeoPixel control the RGB backlight. And then I actually also was like, well, sometimes I might want a TFT, I need more resolution. So the 1.9 TFTs that we, we use, kind of bar style, it's a color TFT, I put down a connector, so you can use either. You can use either the TFT or you can use the LCD. I think the LCD is more legible, it's simple, but sometimes it's like maybe we need to show more data than two lines of text. So uh, that's an option. Um, reset button. Um, this is the power control for turning on and off the USB 5 volts and then the VBAT pin. This is my little like, I always mess up the RX and TX, these lines here going into the microcontroller board that I'm testing, I always mix them up. So I just put a switch here and I just, you know, it's like if I get it wrong, um, instead of having to redo the tester, I'll just flip the switch the other way and it'll swap the two, um, the RX and TX pins. So it'll always, it'll always be right one way or the other. Um, one through whole piezo, piezos can't be surface mounted. They are um, done by hand. Uh, and then uh, Tech was like, oh, put a semi-QT connector on there on the I squared C lines. You never know, maybe some other sensor or device would be handy to have uh, controlled here so I had a little spot and I added it um, so this was just me like kind of messing around I also put in a um, 18 pin FPC cable that has all of these these test lines um, you know I don't I think for now you know I do like to have big chunky wires going between the tester brains and the, the tester board the, the device under test but 
you know, there could be some future where we use a small flex cable instead, uh, just to simply so it's less likely people twist wires or anything or they come loose. Would you ever consider making the RP2040 tester a stock item? Would love a TFT USB A breakout and extras. I don't. I don't actually think so. I, I don't mind publishing the files, but I don't think I would fabricate and sell this because we it's, have to, who, it's, would, who would test a tester? It's first off, it's hard to test the tester. How would we, how we, don't we test, test a tester? Then we'd have to test a tester before we could test a tester. I know. And second, it's a very specialized <laughs> piece of hardware that's just for me. I don't want to have to deal with if I revise it, I have to tell people, and then there's some guarantee of support. So you know, I'll probably publish this. Uh, you know, I'll publish this. Um, Online, but I don't. I think if I was going to make a board for like USB host, it would be a different. I'd make like a, you know, a, a pie cowbell or something rather than um, this kind of monstrosity, which also might have mistakes in it. Okay. So, anyways, this is the tester. So I just, you know, I kind of routed it over the weekend. Um, I think I have some really good improvements. You know, I use every single pin. Um, I love the RXTX flipper because it's so embarrassing. I love that I added a STEMI QT uh, SD card and the TFT option instead of the LCD for some some situations I think is going to come in very handy. And then we have to port, you know, the Arduino code, make sure that the library for the SWD programming still works on the RP2040. I think it will. Um, but, you know, the, the RP2040 is very fast. The reason I went with the TNC36 is, of course, it's incredibly fast and bit banging. You know, SWD, you can bit bang really fast um, to program a chip. And uh, it actually makes a difference. Like if you are um, bit banging at like 10 megahertz versus 100 kilohertz, it's gonna make a big difference when you're transferring. You, know, you do the chip erase cycle, sure. But then when you actually have to blast that firmware over, uh, especially if you have to do a read back, right? Because you not only have to write the, the firmware, but you have to read the firmware back. Um, that's where I think, uh, the speed of the RP2040, uh, and maybe we could PIOify the SWD because it is again, this is weird bit bang, you know, it's, it's, it's not a classic interface. It's like a, it's a clock with one IO pin that's bi-directional and it's an excellent Okay, usual. the request, an additional one is uh, Pi Cowbell USB host. Okay, fine. Yes, maybe we'll do that. Okay, so that's uh, what I've been working on. So that leads us into the great search. Here we go. Uh, great search brought to you by DigiKey and for this time of the week, every single week, one lady to use the power of engineering to show you how to find things on digikey.com. Lady to what is a great search of the week this week? This week, I'm looking for a surface mount USB connector for this tester that I've designed. Mm. So let's go to the computer and I'll show the part in question. So the original board that I'm revising. Uh, had a through hole, had all through hole parts, which was, you know, great and everything, but these had to be assembled by hand. And uh, I kind of, I'm a little, I, I don't want to do that. I want to, you know, make 50 of these. And once I, once I get the test design done, because we use these in so many boards, I want to just do a run of 50 um, and not have to hand solder them anymore. So this is like the classic through hole USB A connector and it's great and everything, but um, for this New version, again, I really want it to be as SMT-ified as possible. And I did have like one, um, you know, you can see this is an SMT USB-A. Not necessarily going to go with this connector. This is just a connector that was in my library because I'd used it before. 
Um, so we put it down as a placeholder, but let's go and find a, a possible, uh, some possible alternatives for the full USB-A um, in surface mount on DigiKey. So let's go, well, not, not translate, go to DigiKey, not Digi. Okay, so uh, let's go to USB type A. Um, that's the thin, long one. You're like, why don't you use USB-C? I don't actually know how to deal with the host side of USB-C. I just want to do USB-A because it's like I know it. I just want ground, D+, plus, D-, minus, and 5 volts. Okay, a lot of options. Uh, connectors, here you go. So I want USB connectors. It even has the photo of the USB-A connector. Um, so I want connector assemblies. There's about 3,000. So let's take a look. Yeah, these look right. I mean, this is actually starting to look like these are USB-A's in all sorts of shapes and sizes. This is kind of a cool vertical USB-C, classic USB-B. All right, so let's start with, <coughs> we only want the active products. Okay, and then uh, we only want one port. So that's a really easy second filter. Um, Next up, connector type, right? Like there's, this is, you know, the, the, all the connectors that are sort of similar, DVI and HDMI and Ethernet, and whatever, they're all kind of in the same area. And there's, you know, there's micro B, micro A. I've actually used like micro A, but I really do want to have just that standard, chunky, classic type A connector. Uh, you know, I don't need to save space. And um, moreover, I want it to be very user-friendly because people are going to be using it might be like, what is this weird, like, Micro AB is like a very weird connector, to be honest. Okay, so um, I selected the A. There's a couple versions here, but I selected all three of them. I'll also pick up the, the dash. Okay, and then we're down to 600 components. Um, number of contacts. So, uh, actually, no, we'll, we'll look at that later. Okay, uh, plug or receptacle. We want receptacle because we're going to plug in a USB cable into this. Cool. See how we're we're doing. Okay. Yeah, we still have some good options here. These are all looking about right. After I do a couple searches, I like to go down and just make sure, like, am I am I on track? Okay. So let's now do the mounting style because that's we want surface mount. Uh, so this board edge, cutout surface mount. Let's select those. We don't want free hanging or panel mount. And then surface mount through hole. Now. Um, a note, if you see through-hole after surface mount, it's still mostly surface mount, but it might have a through-hole board guide or tab or something. Uh, so it's okay as long as the surface mount comes at the beginning. So let's uh, apply. Okay, now we're really, we really cut it down to 85 um, bits. Okay, so the next thing is, um, you know, some of these are USB uh, 2 or 3, sorry, USB 3 or 4 or whatever. And so they'll have more contacts than the classic um, four contacts. I really want just four contacts. I don't want anything special. I don't want USB 3. So let's do that. And then uh, it's also like a lot of them are in stock, so that's kind of good. So let's look at uh, normally stocking. Let's exclude marketplace. So we get down to 45 options. Okay, cool. So next up, um, these actually look pretty good. So there's a couple things here that I noticed when I looked. So you see how this this has like a little like a hooky thing. 
So even though this is surface mount, I feel like the pick in place is going to have a lot of trouble getting those springy bits to push through. Because, uh, you know, they push through and then they spring and hold up against the PCB. So this is surface mount, but it's, I think it's, I feel like it's hand assembled. I don't know. We might not have to be. Where something like this is definitely surface mount only. Like there's no through hole sections. Um, there's also a few that have something like this, where if you see the plastic, this is literally going through the board, which I don't want. This is what uh, was categorized as board edge cutout. You know, the board itself has a rectangular slot. This means that you can have like the, you know, the connector in line with the PCB, which is kind of, sometimes for enclosure design, it's actually quite nice. Cause you have a clamshell with two halves cut out and then, you know, the USB goes in the middle and half is on each side. Honestly, I don't, you know, for my, for my uses, I don't want that. So I'm gonna get rid of the board edge cutout options. And the next thing is I do want to pick and place this. Uh, so I'm going to go only with cut tape, digi-reel, and tape and reel. Um, a bunch of these come on tray, and I'm not going to, it's like, no, I, need to just, I want this to go through the pick and place machine. So let's apply. Okay. So finally what I did is I actually, you know, some of these were good. So this is actually kind of what I have already now. But I actually looked at quantity available. Because this gave me a good idea of what was like a well-supported one. And so again, this is close to what I have on the board itself. The issue is, is that, you know, there's a lot of leverage there. It's very easy. Somebody pulls on the PCB, you know, they pull on the, the PCB or the, on the connector. And those USB type A connectors on cables are like amazing levers. They're like long and they're like extremely strong and they're molded. I feel like somebody just yank and they would just yank the you know the the pads right off this one's a little bit better it has two sets of pads so i feel like this would you know if, if you really wanted to do surface mount only this would probably survive better um again these are good but i just don't know if the picking place would be able to get this through to the pcb so what i really liked was these amphenol connectors which were also very popular and the reason I like these is they do have a through-hole tab, but the tab doesn't have like a massive kink in it. It's like I feel like it could, it's it'll it'll push through, and you know you can even make the slots a little wider, so maybe there isn't anything in the way. But then you have uh, paste on the pads, and it kind of solders it in place, sort of like how um, surface mount USB Type C connectors work, right? You have it's pick and placed. And then you have these slots, and the slots, you know, you have paste on top of them. And they just give a little bit of mechanical through connection to the PCB and, and, and gives it some strength. So I really liked um, this connector quite a bit. And what's interesting is if you look at the data sheet, they actually have two versions. They say, look, if you have a low-cost machining process, you can drill a hole. Look, if you can have a hole that's... Um, uh, plated but it's only good for like 1500 cycles but they're like look if you can get a slot an actual slot you'll have less leeway this is good for up to 9000 cycles or if you use i guess this other part um 12000 cycles so i thought that was actually kind of interesting they actually gave you two um options for how to have footprint for this usb connector with different reliability 
either way, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm happy with 1500 cycles or I'll do the slots, you know, just for the heck of it. Um, but I rather like this uh, part. So this was my pick. And it's not too expensive either. It's, uh, you know, 75 cents, less than a dollar in quantity and comes on uh, tape and wheel. And it's a great search. Okie dokie, here's a question. Is shield always counted as identical to the ground pin for the contact count? No, that shielding is usually separate um, and you don't necessarily want to connect it to ground. Um, there have been a couple good app notes which I can't recall off the top of my head, but with USB in particular, I do not ground the shield. Um, and sometimes you would put a, um, a ferrite bead on the shield perhaps but i i usually do not ground it um and that's i think pretty standard behavior but i google for like usb shield grounding to find out why i think it gets grounded on the host side not the device side all right uh so you'd also want to search for five pins there well, the USB-A connectors only have four pins. Because, again, it's the contacts are the inside part of the USB, not the shielding. Okay. All right, everybody. That's our show. We'll see you all okay. throughout the week. We have a bunch of cool stuff planned and more. See you online. Thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. That Thanks, everybody. That was the desk of Lady Ada. Bye.